0: Welcome to The Selfie Spot, I'm Eric Bainabash from Town Square Media in Bangor, Maine. How you doing? Are you in the Christmas spirit yet? I am not. It usually takes me a little while to get there. It's early December, so I'm uh, like a last minute Christmas shopper. So once I start buying Christmas presents for people, then I kind of start to get in like a good mood. And get in the holiday spirit and those sorts of things. And as you get closer to Christmas, you know, then you get closer to vacation time too. And that will also put me in a really good mood. I actually do have quite a long stretch of vacation coming up and I'm super excited about that. Uh, Thursday, Friday, I have off and then I have the whole week after that off. So I have quite a long stretch of not working, which is pretty sweet, actually. It'll be, a, you know, it's like it's kind of cool because you get to take it easy for a while before you start another year. So I'm excited about that. But still, though, not, like, really in the holiday spirit and stuff. It's really early still, but I'm not the type of person that gets offended by people who put up Christmas lights before Thanksgiving. I don't know why that's a thing. Like, if you put up Christmas lights before Thanksgiving, people are, for some reason, upset by that. And you're officially supposed to, like, all of a sudden, Black Friday has turned into the day where you can actually put up Christmas presents and stuff. So... I really don't care when people do that. It doesn't bother me. I still personally, though, like still think it's kind of early. It's, it's three weeks until Christmas. I am really looking forward to the Celtics Christmas Day game, though. Celtics versus Washington. And I'm sure everyone will have holiday cheer and stuff. And everybody will be in really great moods. Like Kelly Oubre is going to bring, you know, he's going to meet Marcus Smart before the game and they they're ex- exchange Christmas presents and stuff like that. Bradley Beal, Markeith Morris, they're going to do the same thing, right? All right, Celtics and the Suns. They played on Saturday. Celtics won one sixteen to one eleven. They are now twenty and four, and the Celtics' offense is rolling right now. Uh, they shot fifty two percent versus the Suns. Suns they shot forty five percent from three point range versus Phoenix, and they have now shot fifty percent or better in each of the past four games. And prior to those four games, they hadn't shot 50% in a game all season. So, uh, they're rolling. Offensive rating over the last four games is 114. During that stretch, that was sixth best in the NBA. Prior to those games, their offensive rating was just 103. And Kyrie Irving. Obviously, Kyrie's like a huge part of that. Obviously, this, you know, offensive tear they're on. And... You know, he's been good all season, he's been good, but he's been like super efficient lately. Over the last four games, shooting 52% and 42% from three point range. Coming up big in the fourth quarter, as always. Versus the Suns, a two point game, two minutes left. He drains a three from the right arc. And then just a few moments later, a driving layup puts the Celtics up by uh, six points. So he's so good and he's, he's so clutch. Um, you know, it's like one of those things where if you need a bucket, if you really, really need a bucket, you give the ball to Kyrie Irving because if he's been so efficient lately and he's got the ability to pretty much go wherever he wants to go on the basketball court because of his ball handling, because that's so good because he's probably the best ball handler in the NBA. Other people talk about Steph Curry being one of the two best. But Kyrie is just an amazing ball handler and he can get wherever he wants and he gets the basket. And I want to say, when you get close to the basket like that, you know, you create um, high percentage shots for yourself because you're closer to the basket. But the difficulty level is pretty high on some of these shots that he's making, even at the basket. So, but in those clutch situations, you just get the ball to Kyrie because he's so good in isolation. He can create space and then knock down a shot and he's such a good shooter. You know, Or he can dribble his way around somebody or uh, several somebody's and get to the basket and uh, finish at the basket. So obviously he is super clutch, and the uh, Celtics have needed that this season. That 16-game winning streak they had, there were several games that went right down to the wire, and there were times where the Celtics needed a bucket, You know, and he would be there, whether it was a bucket to ice the game or to uh, come back from a deficit, and there were several times that they did that. Celtics over that. Stretch didn't really shoot very well, but they got a lot of timely shots, and Kyrie was a big part of that. And the ball handling, I think, is what separates him from other players. You know, he can shoot the ball well, and he can pass the ball really well. There are guys in the NBA who can do that, but nobody can really handle the ball like he can. That's what separates him. And really, he takes the basketball team to another level. Celtics have a lot of good players on the team. They really do. But Kyrie's that superstar, and every, everyone knows you need a superstar if you're going to win a title in the NBA, and he gives them that. He gives them like a top-tier elite player. Uh, Cedric Maxwell was talking to da- Dan Shaughnessy about that uh, ball handling, and Max said Kyrie's handle is the best. I played with Tiny Archibald, and Tiny couldn't touch Kyrie. When I see Kyrie, I don't think of anybody I know. I think of Marcus Haynes and guys with the Globetrotters which is pretty crazy. You're trying to compare this guy's handles to somebody, and it's like Harlem Globetrotters. Um, Kyrie can make all the shots too. He can shoot the three. He can shoot some really deep threes also, pull-ups, fadeaways. He can post up smaller guys. He can play on the ball. He can play off the ball. So he can, he can do pretty much everything. And, you know, he has adjusted to the Celtics style of play so well, and it's because he's a versatile player. Yeah, you know, cuz the Celtics move the ball around a lot. They make extra passes. Everybody has the green light to shoot and everyone's going to get their chances to score. And there were questions about whether or not he could be in a system like that because he was such a great isolation player and the Cavs ran more isolation plays uh than anybody in the NBA last year. So, would he be able to integrate into a team concept? Well, the answer is yes. He certainly can, you know. He can um you know, he can handle the ball obviously and He can obviously initiate the offense and create plays for other guys and stuff like that, but he can also play off the ball. And, you know, he's just been a fantastic player. And by all accounts, he's been a really good teammate. Um, Max was talking about him and said he was really smart. And he said there was nothing pompous about him. He loves to play the game, super competitive, wants to be the best. And that was one of the reasons why he came to Boston, was because he wanted to become a complete point guard and he wanted to play for, um, a team that was going to allow him to take his game to the next level and play for a team that was really going to push him to be a better player. And uh, he seems to have, you know, found a really good spot for that. And it was really funny. I was watching the Celtics recently, and Kyrie was just simply bringing the ball to the floor. And all of a sudden, I don't know what brought this on, but I'm watching Kyrie, and I'm like, holy crap, Kyrie Irving plays for the Celtics. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, Kyrie Irving is a Boston Celtic. Like, that is really sweet. All right, uh, Jason Tatum. Speaking of guys who have been clutch, Jason Tatum's been really, really clutch. He had a good game versus the Suns, 15 points, 6 of 8 shooting, 6 boards. Uh, Had some good shots late in the game, just like Kyrie did. Uh, Booker hit a shot, and it made the game a three-point game with just over a minute to go. And then immediately on the other end, Tatum slams it home. And he actually made all three of his shots in the fourth quarter. So he's been great late in games. And he, he's been good the entire game. His shooting percentages for the entire game have been really good. But in the fourth quarter in particular, uh, he prior to that Suns game, he was shooting 65% in the fourth quarter. 65% shooting in the fourth quarter, second best in the NBA. And that's not just among young players or rookies. Second best in the NBA, period. And then his fourth quarter three-point percentage is 66%. So the further he goes back, the more shots he makes. By just one percentage point. But, you know, uh, fourth quarter, three-point percentage, second best in the NBA. Somebody tell him he is 19 years old. No, don't tell him that. We are enjoying this. And the Celtics, I, th- I think, are exceeding expectations. No one was expecting a 16-game winning streak. Nobody expected 24 games in. They, they would have 20 wins. And uh, Tatum's been a huge part of that. Jalen Brown has been a huge part of that as well. You know, obviously those two needed to step up with Gordon Hayward going down, and they have done that. They have passed that test up to this point anyway. Uh I, I think those two have kind of been X factors because like we knew what we were getting with Kyrie and Al. We knew all the great things that Kyrie could do. And, you know, we know how solid of a player Al is, so we knew what to expect from those guys, but with Tatum and Brown, it's like we don't really know what to expect from them. We knew with Tatum that we were drafting a good player, and we knew at some point he would be a great player. Uh, but you would expect that you know to because of the rookie learning curve that it would take some time for him to get acclimated. Nobody had any idea he would be shooting fifty percent from the field and forty nine percent from three point range. No one had any idea that at nineteen years old he would be such a clutch fourth quarter player so you know like I said we ex- we knew we were drafting a good player, but i don 't think we anticipated him being this good this early, and the guy is just like. He, his shooting has been great. He's so good in transition. He's so good at attacking the basket, and he's just so uh, mature and calm and poised and all of those things. Great basketball IQ. So I think he's just better, um, quicker than anticipated. And then with Jalen Brown... You didn't really know what you were getting with him either. I mean, at the very least, we thought we were getting the Jalen Brown from last season, which is a guy with a ton of athleticism, a guy who's great in transition, a guy who moves you to the edge of your seat when he's alone on a fast break because you know that guy is going to do something sick, you know. And I, so I suppose we expected him to take a step forward. I did, you know. It's, he's got a full year under his belt, uh, so we expect him to get a little bit better. But I, I think he took an even bigger step forward than anticipated. His three-point shooting this year is 41%. So compared to 34% last season, 41% from three is good, period. But to go from 34 to 41 is pretty remarkable, especially this early in your career. Because coming out of college not too long ago, the biggest knock on him was his three-point shooting. You know, And he's just shot the ball with so much confidence, and he's been so efficient. So uh, he, he's been great. He really has been. Uh, good game versus the Suns for him. 17 points, 4 of 8 from the field. 3 of 5 from 3-point range. Pretty solid. Speaking of pretty solid, oh, can you hear segue coming? Transition or whatever you call it? Al Horford, he's pretty solid. Uh, versus the Suns, 14 points. 6 of 10 shooting. 2 of 4 from 3-point range. He had 11 assists too. And 11 assists is actually a new career high for Al Horford. And right now he's averaging 5.1 assists per game. And that would be a new career high for Al Horford and Al in several major categories, uh, is right now ahead of where he was last season. So Al's having a really fantastic, uh, season for the Celtics. And, um, um, after that concussion, there was like a three-game stretch where he went on an absolute tear, and he was I think the stat was something crazy, like it was about 22 two point field goals out of 25 attempts, something like that. He was just shooting the lights out. But then over like three games, maybe he kind of came back down to earth and not only came back down to earth but wasn't scoring a lot of points and um, wasn't shooting the ball all that efficiently. That didn't last very long. He's shooting the ball pretty well again, and over that time, even when he wasn't scoring a lot of points, He was still getting assists and rebounds and stuff like that. Making a lot of great plays defensively. He had a really nice block on Booker in the third quarter in that Suns game. And he's actually had at least two blocks in six out of the last seven games. Making some good plays defensively. Showing some good chemistry with Marcus Smart as well. Uh, Al Al actually on the receiving end of a Marcus Smart alley-oop pass four times in the last two games. Four alley oops from those two guys in just two games, and uh, all all of those have been very similar. Like it, basically, it's Marcus uh, getting into the paint and then doing a short alley oop pass to to Al. And I think the second one in that Suns game was kind of like a line drive. It was kind of funny looking alley oop. It was like a it was like a line drive pass, and I guess I don't know. But when Marcus drives the lane when he gets in the painted area you gotta be you gotta look out for Marcus really because he's got a tendency of making really good plays for other players you know and he's just he seems to be uh hooking up with uh Al Horford a lot lately and you know those two guys make plays for other players so Marcus is is doing the same thing with other guys and you know Al's gonna have good chemistry with other players and well uh, as well and That's kind of what the Celtics do. They make extra passes and those sorts of things. But those two, you got to look out for them. Marcus has seven assists, uh, or he did, versus the Suns. He had eight assists versus Philly. And then he had six assists versus Detroit. Marcus shooting the ball pretty well. Also, 60% over the last four games. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If Marcus could just be a consistent shooter, he would be an all-star. Because he's such a great defender. Everybody knows that. Uh, he's so good at taking a charge. Um, you know, he does, makes all those hustle plays and stuff like that. Makes plays for other guys. Blah, 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 blah. Handles the ball well. It's just the shooting that's not so consistent with him. And he's, you know, shot so well over the last four games. I mean, 60% shooting is not sustainable. But if he could just be a more consistent guy, you know, shooting the basketball. He is a very consistent shooter in clutch situ- uh, situations though and I talked about this I think in the last podcast and it's just amazing how good he is in those clutch clutch situations he's just a better shooter in those situations. Like he had a really deep 3 versus the Suns shot clock winding down in the third quarter. Like Daniel Tice had the ball and I'm not Tice was around the three point line. He was only like a f- like a couple of feet away from Marcus and I'm not quite sure if at first Tice realized that the shot clock was winding down and then he kind of just like Throws the ball to Marcus with like three seconds left on the shot clock. Kind of like, I don't want to take the shot, you take the shot. <laughs> At least that's what it looked like to me anyway. So then Marcus gets the ball with just like a second or two left from way downtown and just absolutely drills it. And then in the fourth quarter, Marcus did this crazy like spin move into a fadeaway off the glass, shot clock winding down. That was another sick play from him, you know, with the shot clock winding down or late in a basketball game when you need a bucket really bad. Marcus just seems to be so good in those situations. If he could just only be consistent the rest of the time, you know? And it's really funny because versus the Suns, he had two open looks at threes in the same possession, and he missed both of them, and I could see those coming. Like, he had a wide-open three-pointer to start. And he was all alone. There was a defensive breakdown. There's nobody near him, you know? Maybe he feels like a lot of pressure on that situation because you're expected to knock down that shot and everybody's looking at you. Uh, But he misses the first one, (laughs) and then the ball hits the rim, and it goes right back to Marcus, and he's still standing there all alone with nobody near him. And then, so he's going to take a second attempt, and I knew he was going to miss it, and he did. So it's just so funny that he misses those two, but like he'll do a freaking spin move into a fadeaway and knock it in off the glass with three seconds left on the shot clock. Some guys just step up and pressure uh, situations. Marcus versus the Suns. Pretty decent game. 13 points. 3 of 6 shooting. 2 of 5 from 3 point range. And those 7 assists. And we've been tracking the bench lately because the bench had been an issue for a long time. And then there were a couple of games where the bench was just fantastic. And that was really um, sparked by Terry Rozier's play. And just to talk about Marcus again. The bench has been playing well. Marcus has been a huge part of that. And Terry Rozier, after playing really well in those two games versus Indy and Orlando, he hasn't shot the ball very well lately. Over the last three, T. Rose has scored just 12 points combined on 25% shooting. So you would like to see him shoot the ball well because Celtics rely heavily on Terry and Marcus off the bench. Uh, Those two guys take the most shots of anybody coming in off the bench. So if those guys could shoot the ball consistently, you know, then that would be a really big boost for the Celtics. When Terry Rozier shot so well versus Orlando and Indy, you know, that was a big boost for the basketball team. And, you know, they, um, Brad Stevens was asked about that. And they said, uh, well, Brad Stevens said basically like, listen, like those guys coming in off the bench, as long as they are, impacting the game in a positive way i'm okay if they're not knocking down shots as long as they're moving the ball and they're playing with good pace and they're making extra passes as long as they're taking good shots i'm okay if they're not knocking them down because i know they're going to contribute to winning in other ways like defense rebounding and stuff like that and then when there are those nights where they're playing defense and rebounding the ball well and they're shooting on top of that then it's just icing on the cake and you know, I get what he's saying, but you know, the Celtics are gonna be like a true contender. They're gonna need some scoring off the bench. They're gonna need some guys to uh, you know, to be able to score points. And Marcus and Mar- Marcus has been really playing very well lately. Terry did for a little while, but but we will uh we will have to see there. Another guy playing really well off the bench, Daniel Tice. Gotta love Daniel Tice. I'm sure he's growing on Celtics fans at this point. He's got to be. He comes in and just does his job, basically. Playing about 12 minutes a game. Leads the team in rebounding percentage and field goal percentage. Communicates very well on defense. A really good under-the-radar signing for the Celtics. Something that has really paid off. And he was talking this week about one of the biggest challenges of um, coming to the NBA from Europe. And he said the ball is a, a really big thing you know like when he first showed up and the media was talking to him or whatever about making the transition from EuroLeague to the NBA he said the the speed of the game much different in the NBA because he said in the EuroLeague you go through the system you play the offense and then it's just like you go through your your offense and you wait till the shot clocks winding down and then you shoot but he said in the NBA it's so much quicker than that he's like you bring the ball down the floor, you like pass, pass, shoot. Like you make a couple of really quick passes and then you shoot, you know? So he said the speed was much different. And he says perhaps the biggest thing in going from the Euro League to the NBA is the all leather basketball that they use in the NBA. Because in Europe, the basketball has a synthetic surface. And the leather ball is slippery, he says. And especially when there's sweat on the ball and you're sweating and stuff like that. He said the EuroLeague ball is very easy to palm and it's more difficult with the NBA ball. And Yabusele and Shane Larkin um, have both said the exact same thing. And Larkin said that in EuroLeague ball, the ball is much easier to grip. So when you're attacking the basket and you're in the air, he said because you can grip the ball so easily, it's much easier to score at different angles at the rim. So players have had, you know, to make that uh, adjustment. Got some more stats on this Suns game. Rebounding. What happened with the rebounding? I thought the Celtics were supposed to be a good rebounding team. All right. Celtics out-rebounded by the Suns. 47-31. to they, they got, you know, taken behind the woodshed in the rebounding department. It's okay. They won the game. They shot lights out. Who needs rebounding and defense when you're shooting so well, right? Uh, So Celtics have actually been out-rebounded in six straight games, which was surprising to me. I knew their rebounding had slipped, but I did not realize it was over six straight games they've been out-rebounded. So prior to that stretch, those six games, Celtics were second in rebounding percentage in all the NBA, so they were rebounding the ball extremely well. But over the last two weeks, they've actually dropped to ninth. In uh, rebounding, you know, and I, I, you know, maybe they get back to where they were before and maybe for the same reasons um, that made them good at rebounding to begin with, you know, like the overall size and length, uh, the athleticism, uh, adding Aaron Baines, adding Daniel Tice, Al Horford being a good rebounder, maybe they get back to, you know, where they were before. Because they still have those things. They still have those players, and they still have that size and length and stuff like that. Defense has slipped uh, over the last seven games. So going back to the Mavericks game, uh, the Celtics' defensive rating over those seven games uh, is 106, which is 16th in the NBA during that stretch. And... The Celtics are still first in the NBA in defensive rating. That's how good they were early on. They're still first in the NBA in defensive rating. Over that 16-game winning streak, uh, the Celtics' defensive rating was a 94, and that was five points better than the next team. So that was five points better than the next team over that 16-game stretch, but now they're number one in defensive rating by only one point. Brad Stevens. He's, I think he might be a good basketball coach. I have this good feeling about him, you know. I'm just joking around. Everybody knows, you know, how great of a basketball coach uh, Brad Stevens is. Uh, Eastern Conference Coach of the Month for the months of October and November. This is actually the third time that he's won that award. He won the award in April 2015 and February 2016. You know, it would make sense that he's won it uh, previously because Over those first four seasons, you know, he took uh, players um, who, you know, maybe some players who had struggled for other teams, like Evan Turner. And then Turner comes to Boston; he plays really well for a couple of years, and then he signs, you know, in Portland for a lot of money. But just Brad Stevens taking uh, some some players, a group of players who maybe lack skill offensively. But managed to get the most out of them that he possibly could. And he took last year's team and took them all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. So he's just done a fantastic job coaching the Boston Celtics. And over the first month and a half of the season, uh, he led them to a 19-4 and record. And, you know, this is all despite losing Gordon Hayward on opening night. You lose a guy who just fits in so perfectly with your basketball team fits in so well with what you do because he's got all of those characteristics that Brad Stevens was looking for. Like he's got, he's got the size and the length. He can handle the ball. He can initiate the offense. You know, he can shoot, he can defend, you know, he can uh, play and defend multiple positions, all of those things. He's an absolute perfect fit and it would give them more scoring. I mean, he's another 20 point scorer, you know, and then that would put Jason Tatum on the bench at least to start the season. You know, you would figure that uh, Morris would be the four, and then uh, Hayward would be the uh, three, and then that would put Jason Tatum on the bench. And if you think about it, if Jason Tatum was on the bench. Then you wouldn't have to worry about how consistently, you know, Terry Rozier or Marcus Smart is shooting the basketball. You would have another. Well, of course, you would still have to worry about it. You still need those guys to shoot the ball well, but you would have somebody else coming in off the bench who could be that spark off the bench or whatever. And then, it, you know, if uh, Tatum gets moved to the four, and then Marcus comes in off the bench, Marcus Morris, and Marcus Morris is a good, very good offensive player. Um, so that you lose someone like Gordon Hayward on opening nights, a really nasty injury, and. You know, you lose the first two games. Things are starting to spiral out of control. Celtics fans are like, oh, man, this sucks. I can't believe, like, we waited so long for this, and this is, like, the worst-case scenario to start the season. But then they win 16 in a row, and Brad Stevens keeps that calm demeanor, and he keeps everybody going, and they get their longest winning streak since 08-09. They do all this returning just four players from last season, and chemistry was the big thing everybody was talking about. It's going to take them a long time to develop chemistry. Well, guess what? We won 16 games in a row. And they do this with all these young players, you know, with a rookie in your lineup now, with uh, Tatum, second-year player, with Jalen Brown, you know, guys who weren't even in the NBA last season, like Daniel Tice. He's twenty-five, played in Europe pro for a number of years, but he has to develop. He has to, he has to adjust to using an all other basketball. And then Shane Larkin was in Europe last season, you know, uh, all these different guys, uh, Gershon Yabusele, um, and then. Shemi Ojale, you know, playing as a rookie. So you get all these young guys, and the Celtics still continue to win. And then they've played through injuries, too. Not just Gordon Hayward, but Al Horford missed time with a concussion. Uh, Kyrie Irving broke his face. Kyrie Irving broke his face. He's still wearing the mask, obviously. Um, But, yeah, Horford missed some time. Kyrie Irving missed some time. Uh, Marcus Morris missed some time. Marcus Smart missed some time with an ankle. And you know, despite those guys, you know, and these are all like major rotation guys, despite missing some time, you know, they've still won twenty basketball games. So Brad Stevens, absolutely perfect choice for um perfect choice for for I just sneezed, I just turned off the microphone. There's a long pause there. He's a perfect choice for the award. Greg Popovich Uh, Before the Celtics-Spurs game, uh, Popovich was talking about Brad Stevens, and he said that uh, Stevens is very intelligent. And intelligence is fine, but if it doesn't come along with incisiveness, judgment, and an emotional maturity, it doesn't do you much good. And he says that Brad Stevens has all of those things. Greg Popovich went on to say he's going to be... A great one before it's all over with, and he's already a hell of a coach. I think that's a perfect place to end the conversation about Brad Stevens. He's going to be great one day. For now, he's pretty damn good, though. All right, Celtics going to play again Monday night. Celtics are at home taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. Celtics are one and one versus the Bucks this season. Uh, Celtics lost to the Bucks uh, second night of a back to back, second game of the season. Um and then they beat the Bucs uh, at home later on, and now Giannis Antetokounmpo taking on the Seas once again. Giannis is second in the NBA in scoring 29 points per game, second only to James Harden at 31 points per game, so it is on. Greek freak, and uh, I'm sure we'll see plenty of Al Horford guarding uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. We saw a lot of that in the second matchup, and then You know, Al did a pretty good job, and he still scored a ton of points, but he didn't exactly—he didn't get to 29, and he shot below his average too. So the Celtics did the best they could to contain him, and and they won the basketball game. So we'll have to see what the Greek Freak does, and you know, it should be a good, good team. I'm really enjoying watching the Bucks play, and I'm really enjoying watching uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. All right, so that's it for the uh, Celtics Pod. Uh, We'll be back in a week, and in a week, we will be a week closer to Christmas time. Maybe I'll be in a super good mood. Who knows? All right, so enjoy the game Monday night. Take it easy. Go see